This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Unfortunately, EJ was on assignment yesterday, so we get him today from NHL Network, NHL Now, between the hours of 4 and 6 Eastern with uh, Michelle McMahon and, at least for now, the voice of the Pittsburgh Penguins, Steve Mears. Penguins, Steve Mears, that's right. How are you, EJ? I'm good, and congratulations through this venue to uh, Steve. Yes. And uh, I'll miss him just like I missed you when <laughs> when when you departed. But, you know, you guys all go on to bigger and better things, and I have to find a new whipping boy. And, you know, and, I'm, but, sure, you know, and I'm sure you will. I will. <laughs> but you have him for now, and we're not even done yet, you know, so. Uh, right. and, uh, and you guys like this to say, you were a, a terrific person to work with, and I really loved it, and, and I, I've grown to uh, feel the same way about Steve. So it's, I've been very lucky. So, uh We'll see how things play out in the future. Well, I look forward to this every single Monday slash Tuesday uh, here yeah. today so we can kind of keep that uh, chemistry alive. All right, we got a big game tonight, but let's recap last night. And I, I don't want to play favorites. I mean, a game misconduct, it's always straight down the middle. But I've always had a special place in my heart for Nashville because the same way I did in Carolina in 2002 and 2006 and because I really love when a market gets to see something like this for the first time. And Anaheim went through it in 2007, and, and so did Ottawa in 2007. But of the four teams that were left, to be able to see this happen, EJ, I think is really cool. They're diehard fans. They're being exposed to this for the first time. And the league is kind of getting exposed to that arena and that city uh, through the All-Star game and now with this run. So... I think it's pretty special to see a community go through something like this for the first time. And, Donnie, I would say that, you know, I remember having that that conversation with you a number of times, and uh, I think you're, you know, you're, you're right on. It's great for those those communities to experience. That's how, you, that's how you build hockey fans. That's how you build hockey towns is that you have to have some success in these places, and you have to be willing to stick it out and be there for a while. I mean, the National Predators – you know, they've been there. They're coming up on, uh, you know, almost 20 years now. And there's been kids who grew up, went to those Nashville Predators games in the year one, year two. And now those are kids that are young adults and, you know, maybe even they have young families and their kids are growing up with hockey. And so it's kind of taken hold there. And now they're having this ultimate success of, of going to a Stanley Cup final and, and competing for the Stanley Cup. And you get all those people who are just the locals who love sports who are now grabbed onto this story and maybe have gone to a hockey game for the first time or watching hockey and now they really are into it and love it and the the, the arena is crazy and in Nashville is one of those unique places with country music and you have star entertainers uh, singing the national anthem and being part of this uh, run so I think it's just terrific terrific stuff for the Predators and uh, really for the bigger picture of the league I think you're right you have to have these things in Atlanta you know, we had a Thrashers organization where they just never got to experience success there, and, uh, you know, they ended up going away. In Nashville, it's been pretty well run right from the start. You know, they've had their bumps like everybody has, but uh, you give David Boyle and, uh, you know, Paul Fenton and uh, that whole group of people, the ownership group down there, a lot of credit because, uh, you know, they've made it a real fun event, and now they're having this kind of success. It's just terrific. And. Kind of a shame last night because I thought the Ducks played so well. Uh, they just didn't get the goaltending. And, you know, Bernier, I thought, was terrific during the course of the regular season for sure. I mean, it was, they didn't miss a beat when Gibson was out. You just wonder yeah. how things might have been a little different last night had Gibson been able to play. Yeah, I mean, 
it was a tough night for Bernie. A tough spot to be thrown into, really, is to have to to jump in uh, with just a little bit of uh, you know a couple of periods and jump in and be in an elimination game on the road in a hockey crazy place like Nashville has become in you know in recent times. So. Uh, you know, but I go, I go beyond that. I mean, you have to take care of your goalie in those situations. And you look at the first goal. I mean, the last thing we wanted last night, if you're a Ducks fan, is to give up a goal early. And they, they ice the puck. They get a defensive zone draw. And Donnie, if I was, if we were sitting there watching and we were wagering on who was going to win a draw between Ryan Kessler and Freddie Goudreau, I think we would probably have to lay some pretty heavy odds sure. on Freddie Goudreau, right? He wins the draw clean. The puck comes back to the point. There's a shot, a miss. It goes to the other side of the ice and a shot at the net, and it hits Brandon Montour's skate and go in. And, I mean, Bernier, I think he could have. I thought it was pointed out well on the broadcast by Brian Boucher. He could have got his stick maybe in there to, to kind of deflect that puck before it got to Montour's skate. But the bottom line is, Ryan Kessler's got to win that face-off. Yeah. I mean, he's a $6 million player. He's a 60% face-off guy. You can't lose to Freddie Goudreau, who nobody even knows. You know, we're looking him up on Wikipedia to figure out who he is. So that was one mistake. And then, you know, later on in the period, Cam Fowler goes back and backs into the defensive zone. And, you know, he's in a tricky spot there. He tries to force one through the middle. And the next thing you know, there's a turnover. Here come the... Here come the Predators with speed. A nice pass through. Decisions makes a great shot. And it's two nothing. So you're chasing the game right from the start, and uh, you know they managed to get things tied up late. But even the, the game winning goal, they were it was two on six, including the goalie, and everybody got puck focus on the uh, the passer in that situation, and nobody paid attention really to decisions. And he gets one times the puck. I mean that is uh, you talk to Steve Valaket, who does the Ranger broadcast with MSG and. You know, he'll talk to you about those passes that go through the middle of the ice and how yeah. a goaltender has to move. I don't know how much of a chance he has on a play like that. So it was a great pass by uh, Jan Kroc and a nice finish by Sissons. And, you know, here we are. So it wasn't great for Bernier, but I think there were other mistakes made in that game, and Nashville was just able to take advantage of it. Uh, now we shift gears to tonight, uh, Penguins and the Senators. Now it's easy to say the Senators are dead, right? But when you look at some of the blowout games we've had in these playoffs, a team that gets blown out bounces back. I'm not sure what that is. I don't know whether it's the mental health day that the goaltender gets yeah. for getting pulled. But with with Broussard compromised, and I guess if he even plays EJ, he can't center because uh, he yeah. was only a winger in the last game. And with Carlson yeah. compromised, and we'll see, he bounced back nicely after sitting in the third period of Game 4 of the Rangers series. But as banged up as Ottawa is right now, I'm just not really sure what kind of resistance they can put to Pittsburgh tonight. What do you think? Well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, you nailed it, though. We've seen this throughout the playoffs. I mean, in game three of this series, we were ready to bury the Penguins. Yeah. They were blown out. They had four goals early. Marc-Andre Fleury got chased. They ended up losing that game, I think, 5-1, but it was could have been worse than that. Um, we saw earlier in the playoffs in round one, the San Jose Sharks at home ice uh, hammer the Edmonton Oilers, who I believe it was 7 nothing. The next game, the Oilers win. The Oilers win that series. The next series, it's reversed for the Oilers. They just beat the stuffing out of the Anaheim Ducks, beat them 7-1. Next game, well, you go to a game seven, and guess what? The Ducks find a way to win that game, and uh, and they advance. So we've seen this throughout the playoffs. Teams have taken beatings and found a way to bounce back. I think that the Ottawa Senators will will make a push. There's no question tonight for me they will. I think two things are important. That First of all, 
Their goaltender, Craig Anderson, has got to be much better than he's been in the last couple of games. You start to wonder, 36-year-old Craig Anderson just had his birthday the other day. It's been a long year emotionally and professionally for for Craig Anderson personally. Uh, Is he running out of steam a little bit here? Uh, So that's a wonder. He's going to have to be just at his best tonight. And the second thing for me is that the Pittsburgh Penguins have kind of found their, their way again and they're very comfortable now in this in these last two games of, you know, getting that first four checker in on the Senators, forcing them to one side of the ice. The Senators like to go up the wall out of the zone. The Penguins then just push their defenders down the wall, and uh, they were able to create a lot of offensive zone time. I think the Ottawa Senators have to figure out a way to get out of the zone cleaner, and if they have to go through the middle of the ice, they have to make quick crisp passes through the middle and move it up that way. But uh, that will be, I think, the biggest challenge for Guy Boucher tonight is uh, to be able to uh, get his team moving the puck quickly out of their end and not get bogged down where into that frenetic, Mm -hmm. organized chaos that the Penguins like to create in the offensive zone. Now, Nashville's banged up, as we know. So's Pittsburgh. So I would think the Penguins really want to wrap this thing up tonight because I think any edge you can get, right? I mean, these are two teams that are getting towards the end of the playoffs here. Think of all the players on the Penguins, EJ, that played in the World Cup of Hockey, played in the Stanley Cup run last year. I mean, so any kind of extra days they can get off, I think it's going to be important. So I still think they can win the series against Nashville, but how important do you think it is for Pittsburgh to wrap it up tonight and get at least somewhat equal rest to what Nashville has wrapping their series up last night? I think it's really important, Donnie. I mean, you listen to Randy Carlisle after last night's game. Yeah. And he referenced the fact that they had to play seven games in 13 days, and they had to open on Friday after finishing their game on a Wednesday night. And, you know, I would say to Randy, I mean, listen, nobody told you to take all seven games. I mean, right. you would have been better off getting that done in four or five or six. So, you know, this is the peril that you're in. Now, the good news for the Penguins is that, you know the games aren't the final isn't going to start till Monday. So even if they were to have to go seven and and really for the Senators as well, if the Senators can rally and, and whoever wins this series, you know you get off Friday, Saturday, you you know, and then you get ready. And either one of these teams are the home teams; they don't have to travel, and you get ready for a media day likely on Sunday, and then you're, you're game one on Monday. So it's not too bad. But I think any time that you can save yourself the that the headache of an extra game where guys get tired, guys get hurt, things happen. Uh, I think you do yourself a huge uh, service. So uh, I would think that's you know part of the message for the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight as a team that that went through it last year. Mm-hmm. Let's finish this off now. Let's not have to play Game Seven. So uh, we'll see if that experience weighs into this for the Penguins tonight. Yeah, and I don't think the NHL has the luxury the NBA does of stretching these playoffs deep into June. Because it can compromise the buildings. I mean, you start playing in some areas where it starts to get very warm and then the ice becomes a problem. So you want to kind of finish this up. So I felt bad for Randy. And and if you listen to the tone of his voice, I don't think he was making excuses. I don't think he was killing the league. He was just just noting. And I remember when I looked, the the schedule was announced. It raised an eyebrow for me, too. I said, boy, poor Anaheim. You know, they just win a game seven. They get one day off. And then they've yeah. got to start right up again. You know, lucky for them, they didn't have to travel. But, you know, just that's what the NHL wants to do. They, they hate having these long layoffs. I mean, look at the NBA. Yeah. If, if, if they're going to have a long time between their conference final and their final because they've got the luxury of not having to worry about the, the heat of a building. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, you know yeah. it, it, it sounds foolish, in some, but some places, 
You know, you can really be talking about some, especially these southern cities where you start to get hey, deep Nashville, into June. Uh, Nashville could be really, really hot. Yeah. I remember years ago when they first came into the league, Yuri Letson, who played for the Dallas Stars, used to joke and say we were playing in Slushville tonight because right. the ice, you know, they were battling. It was new there at that time. Now, I'm sure over the years there's been a lot of innovation, and these guys have gotten better and better and better at making ice, and I'm sure they'll do everything they can with the league involved with Dan Craig to make it a very playable ice surface. But you're right. It is uh, – it isn't – always easy and every building presents a different issue and it's obviously you want to have as good an ice as you can have for these games so uh i agree with you and i think really at the end of this it's you have to try to find a way the i've said it a million times donnie you've heard me over the years the playoffs are about injuries and matchups well you know what it's also about having the you know being able to get rid of teams and get some rest yes. in between series and, and, and try to limit your exposure to those injuries uh, that can really cripple you. I mean, we're going to see now. Nashville was able to somehow get through these two games without Ryan Johansson and Mike Fisher uh, and playing against Getzlaff and Kessler, two of the best centers in the league. And, uh, you know, it's amazing they did it. Johansson's not coming back. Fisher, we don't know what the situation is there. So if they were to go up against the Penguins, let's say, and you have to go up against Crosby and Malkin up the middle, boy, that's going to be a real challenge. Now, EJ, before we let you go, NHL.com is doing a really cool thing with the uh, the top 50 teams of all time in celebration of the 100th anniversary, and we're going to reveal uh, the greatest Stanley Cup champion during the course of the final. We've re- we've reduced it down to 20 teams. And uh, how much have you had a chance to talk about it or look at it I mean, it's really heavy with a lot of Montreal, a lot of Islanders, a lot of Oilers. But um, I don't know if you have got the list in front of you, thought about it at all, of or just some of the remembrances if you've gone through it, because I'm sure you've talked about it a little bit on NHL now, of uh, just how much fun it's been to just look back at some of these great teams. And now we narrowed it down to the, the top 20, just how great some of these teams have been. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a, you know, think about it, Donnie. We haven't had, I mean, this year we could have a repeat champion for the first time since 97, 98 when the Red Wings did. Right. We haven't had one since then. So it tells you that the, the, the game has changed dramatically. And then in 2005, 2006, our first season out of the, uh, the big lockout, uh, we had a salary cap, and that changed the dynamics of things, too. But you look back in the history, you know, from 19... 19- uh, you know, we'll even include the Flyers in this. I mean, from uh, when the Flyers won in 74 and then 75. Then you had Montreal winning for the next four years and the Islanders for the next four years. Then you had the Oilers winning uh, two. And then they, the, uh, the Montreal Canadiens won a year again. And then it was two more years of the Oilers. I mean, that's like, what is that, three or four franchises winning the Stanley Cup in a course of, uh, I think we covered, you know, 14 years there, somewhere in that neighborhood. So, uh, it's a different era now than it was then, and uh, it's hard to to maybe really judge these things. It's great for for discussion like we have, and great for fans to argue about. And everybody's got their their own favorite for one reason or another. I think you could make a great case for the Montreal teams of the late seventies, any of those Islander teams of the early eighties, and certainly for the for the for the Oilers teams that came after them. So I think somewhere in that group of teams, you might have the best. Team, uh, you know, of, of the of the Stanley Cup champions, but you know, hey, the Boston Bruins in 1970, the big bread bad Bruins were pretty darn good, and they were good again in '72. So, you know, there's a, a lot of discussion there. Then, of course, the Canadian teams from the late '50s, and it's a different era of hockey. So, there's a lot of discussion. Yeah. Fun, I think, for fans, and it's fun to look back at. 
because as you know, Don, from our discussions, I mean, I was an Islander fan in the mid seventies. I kind of, they were an expansion team and I kind of jumped in with them right from their first year when Jermaine Gagnon scored their first game winning goal against the Kings at the old Nassau Coliseum. And, uh, you know, they had success in their third year and went to a conference, I guess would be a semifinal and, They later went on to win those four straight cups. And so my heart is kind of with those teams. I thought they were great because they could win any way you wanted to. They could outskate you. They could out-tough you. They could do it all. But I certainly can't argue with anybody who says, hey, the Montreal Canadiens in 76, 77, they only lost eight games. I know. That was a pretty darn good team, too. Or the Edmonton Oilers that had all those great players, Gretzky and, and Messier and Curry and Anderson and Coffey and right on down the line. And how about those Red Wings teams, that Red Wing team in 02 that had the nine, I think it's nine Hall of Famers. So there's there's a lot of discussion there. And it makes for its food for thought, yeah. fodder for everyone. You know, you take a look at that 68-12 and 12 Canadians team in 676-77. No overtime then. So when regulation was over, they got the tie. So if they got a chance to play even just overtime five on five, they probably win more than 60 games, right? That's 60 yeah, out yeah. of 80. Uh, yeah, but but you know you're talking about yeah I mean the Cleveland Barons and the Colorado Rockies I mean there's some really bad teams I I think now with parity there 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 are bad teams I mean there are teams that weren't very good but on any given night they can beat anybody right I mean who, who the worst the worst teams in the league you know Colorado Arizona we saw down the stretch teams that needed wins could not beat Colorado and Arizona in big spots so I think it's tougher now. The team that I always loved, EJ, of the of the 20, and I'm glad they made this list, and I don't know how if they'll survive, but one of my favorite teams was that 88-89 Flame team yeah. um, that almost lost in the first round to, uh, to Vancouver. Uh, they needed an overtime win in Game 7. But when you look at some of the great players on the team, a, a young Doug Gilmore, Al McGinnis, um, a young Joe Newendike, young Theo Fleury. I mean, they had just some tremendous talent there, and they could play it any way you want. You wanted to open it up, they could play it that way. You wanted to rough it up, you could. And I always, I really enjoyed watching that '88, '89 Flame team. No, they had, listen, they had a terrific. There were some really, there were some good teams that won that didn't have multiple cups that had great teams. That, yeah. You know, and they were the, the Flames team. I mean, the problem with that is that the Flames, that Flames team. I mean, they ended up running into the same problem every year, the Edmonton Oilers. Right. And, you know, and the, and the when, when the Oilers, like, that was the year that Gretzky was traded out of there, and it was a, time, a little bit of transition for the Oilers and, and opened the door a little bit for those flames, and they were able to skate through it. But, you know, think about it. The Oilers came back the next year without Gretzky and uh, a little bit of a change group led by Messier, and they won another Stanley Cup. So, you know, it's 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 kind of a – it's a funny argument that you could go through, an exercise you can go through. I think it's a great way for, for younger fans to kind of have an idea of the history of the game and learn how the game has changed over time. I've been lucky enough. You've been lucky enough to see a great portion of the really one of the, the great eras in this game, you know, going back to the to the 70s and 80s and uh, how things have changed. But, you know, getting to that Canadians team again, that 76-77 team, I mean, they had so few losses. You know, looking at their their losses, they were mostly close, but they had two losses in January, one to St. Louis and one to Boston that were bad losses, 7-2 and 7-3 respectively. But other than that, there was a one nothing. there was three twos. I mean, it was really a team that uh, when you think about going through that kind of, you know, a long season, 
Mm-hmm. You have so few losses is something for certainly that you have to consider. And it's definitely a different era as I look through it here because they had an 11 nothing win over the Washington Capitals, and there were some other games where they put up uh, nine. There was another 11 against the Chicago Blackhawks opening night, 10-1 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins. So it was a little bit of a different yeah. era of hockey where you saw those kind of games from time to time. Now you saw in sports in general, I mean, when we were – Growing up, EJ, there were teams that you just knew could not win. You know, yeah, whether it was the right. you know, the seventy six Buccaneers, like you knew there was no yeah. chance the Buccaneers were going into Pittsburgh and being the Steelers. <laughs> it just wasn't going to happen. Um, but you know, and 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 in growing up, there were certain teams in hockey you just knew that they were just weren't going to win. I, I just don't see that exist. There's always the the best and there's always the worst. But even the worst teams yeah. in the league on any given night can give you trouble. I, I totally agree with you. If you put a non playoff team healthy in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, in a seven-game series, especially a team that has a good goaltender. I mean, yeah, they shot. I mean, you know, like a Florida Panthers, they were in last year, they're out this year, right? If they were healthy and went into a playoff series against somebody, I'm not saying they'd win, but they'd be very respectful. They'd probably win their share of games in the series. You never know. I mean, the Islanders team that went to the second round last year with a healthy Tavares and, you know, with a Halak or Grice playing well in goal. You know, they could push somebody. I mean, this this league is very, very close right now. And I think that's why on the occasion that you have a blowout, you see teams push back. There's not a lot of difference with these teams to begin with. So uh, it's tight. It's close. It's fun. And uh, if you can stay healthy and stay away from the teams yeah. that you don't match up well with, you have a chance. Hey, look, what is it? Uh, Nashville is like the 16th playoff team, right? I mean, they were the eighth yeah. seed in the West. If you were to rank that's them right. one through 16, they're 16. And here they are four wins away. From winning a Stanley Cup, we saw the Kings do it as an eight seed back in um, 2012. So, yeah, that to your point, that you could be barely a playoff team and make a serious run against these juggernauts, and just look at the curse of the President's Trophy. It seems like yep. you're almost guaranteed not to win if you're the best team uh, in the regular yeah. season. Uh, AJ, thanks so much. I know it was uh, uh, it was chaotic for you yesterday, and I know it's going to probably be chaotic for you co- next week because I'm sure you're traveling. Well. Yeah, that'll be that'll be opening day Monday next week is the Memorial Day, so I don't know what your plans are, Donnie, but we will catch up. We always, I always find time for you. We'll do it, and uh, we'll talk about what shapes up to be a yeah. pretty interesting final, no matter how it how it weighs out with the final in the East. Yeah, with it being the holiday, um, I guess we could talk about it off the air, but maybe we can do something recapping Game One on Tuesday. Uh, but um, we'll see. But uh, safe travels. Right. Uh, I guess you catch a little bit of a break here, even if it's Ottawa. You're not crisscrossing the country, yeah, but uh, you should have a ball. Uh, you know, if we have, let's say, Pittsburgh and Nashville, it'll be pretty uh, pretty good travel and fun cities and uh, be a lot of storylines. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, we'll watch don't out. Count out those Senators. No, I don't think you should. I really don't think yeah. you should. And if they win tonight at home, which is not impossible, you know, you get yeah. an up for grabs game seven, which should be uh, a lot of fun. All right, EJ, thanks so much. We'll watch you on television and safe travels. We'll talk to you next week. All right, you got it, buddy. All right, that's the great EJ Raddick. Usually joins us every Monday, but we decided to do it on Tuesday because he had uh, a couple of conflicts on Monday. So we'll probably do him next Tuesday. Again, I'm not sure we'll have a podcast on Memorial Day. Everybody will be doing their barbecues and picnics and, and whatnot, and maybe we'll uh, do one on Tuesday after Game 1. So Monday will be Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final from either Pittsburgh or Ottawa because the East will have home ice advantage because both Ottawa and Pittsburgh had a better record than Nashville. As we mentioned, Nashville was the last playoff team at 16, and here they are in the Stanley Cup Finals, so Nashville's guaranteed to start on the road. So tonight you've got Game 6, and Ottawa win forces a Game 7 on Thursday. A Penguin win. They advance to the Stanley Cup Final for the second consecutive year. 
and we would have Pittsburgh hosting on Monday the Nashville Predators. So want to climb aboard at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. We'll go over game six, however it's going to go. And then we'll, of course, get you set up for the Stanley Cup Final during the course of the week. So thanks for participating at Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. Go to the ESPN app. You can go also to Apple Podcasts to be able to follow us there. Make sure you subscribe. Thanks so much for participating today. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.